Hey guys, Ben Bellack and Zach Goldsmith here reporting live on the scene of what might be the biggest sea change in the real estate sector since Zillow. Oof. A class action lawsuit that could upend the way agents are paid commissions continues to move forward with a trial date expected sometime in 2024. In a May 30th telephone conference, U.S. District Court Judge Andrea Wood laid out a timeline of what's next in the Merrill versus the National Association of Realtors at all case. Welcome back to another episode of To Litigate and Buy in Los Angeles. I think things are worse than you're making it. All right, look, what's at stake? And why does it matter to you? I think we should tell him this. Okay, we'll explain that. But first... Let's discuss what is this Morel case? How do you pronounce it? Moral? Morel? I think it's Moron? Let's call him Moron. Uh, <laughs> named after home seller Christopher Moron. I, I just don't know how to pronounce it. The <laughs> Careful. New- I don't want them coming after us. Oh, you could just add another one to his plate. So it's now a class action lawsuit yeah. that involves home sellers who are suing the National Association of Realtors, which is America's largest trade association mm-hmm. with over 1.5 million members. They're also suing several other major brokerages, including Anywhere Real Estate, formerly Realogy. Realogy? Mm-hmm. Realogy. pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Which is a publicly owned real estate services company that owns several real estate brands, including Century 21, Coldwell Banker, Sotheby's, to name a few. The agency? No. Also being sued are Remax, Keller Williams, and over 20 other multiple listing services throughout the country. Now, the lawsuit claims that NAR uh, and others participated in anti-competitive practices by forcing sellers into a system where they pay a commission that is split between buyer and seller's agents. In other words... The claim is that NAR contracts force sellers to pay buyers' agents' commissions. That's the claim. The plaintiffs believe this system has led to inflated buyer agent fees to the detriment of home sellers. And they argue that home buyers should pay for their own agents. NAR and other defendants refute that claim, saying sellers can pay buyers' brokers as little as one dollar, one penny. They really don't have to pay them anything. Hey, you know what? You want to incentivize a buyer's <laughs> agent to bring and sell your property. I say offer a dollar commission. It's smart. That's part of their argument is that you can secretly, through private remarks, offer them a lower, lower incentives or mm-hmm. greater incentives to show your property. Okay. They don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the counter to that is that agents will steer away from lower commissions, which are publicized. You don't buy it. Uh, Look, in 2021, discount brokerage Rex Real Estate released Uh 700 calls with agents from across the nation. The calls showed agents wouldn't show properties with lower commissions. You don't believe that? No, no, no. I believe it, but uh, we'll talk about this at the end. Okay, so transparency is a key point the plaintiffs are pushing for. Meanwhile, NAR believes the existing platform provides that transparency. Market-driven pricing options for home buyers and sellers. So we got a big battle here. I mean, the transparency part, I don't get. It's like buyers agents don't care what listing agents are getting paid. And they also assume that it's the same amount. If it's a half a point difference because the listing agents paying, you know, $30,000 to stage a house, so be it. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the impact here. If the plaintiffs prevail, agent compensation will fundamentally change. MLSs will have to alter the way they do business. Not much, but they will. 
And the defendants could have to pay out a massive amount in damages. So as a class action lawsuit, thousands of home sellers who paid a commission to the specified companies that Zach just mentioned from 2015 to 2020, as well as the current and future sellers engage with those entities right now, could be compensated if the plaintiffs win, not just to the handful that initially filed suit in 2019. So total damages could exceed $13 billion, a mind-boggling sum. A real estate industry expert, Russ Cafano, pointed out in a recent column, the market cap of anywhere is around $650 million, or less than 5% of the claim damages. I mean, it's good to be an attorney. I'd say so. <laughs> I mean, let's take a look at the tail of the tape here. Mm-hmm. NAR and other corporate defendants are rep by Schiff Harden LLP, one of the oldest law firms in Chicago who've repped the likes of AT&T and Michael Jordan. Uh, the plaintiffs are rep by nine different law firms Yikes. who have a track record of winning billion-dollar settlements against corporate giants, including Apple, Big Tobacco, Samsung, Toyota, and Visa, to name a few. So it's evident that because of the size of the case and the likelihood of appeals, Mm -hmm. this could take years before a final outcome is reached. And, And while some homeowners might be excited by this, some real estate agents are shaking in their boots. And I got to tell you, if you're a homeowner or a buyer, Mm -hmm. it's also bad. You know which homeowners are excited by this right now? For real. Who? The same dum-dums that do for sale by owner. Oh, they can't wait. They're like, yep, I knew it. So requiring buyers to come up with the additional funds needed to compensate their broker at closing would make it significantly less likely that first-time and other aspiring buyers could afford a home. Yeah, well, I mean... A family purchasing a quarter-million-dollar home... That's true. For example would see its closing costs increase by 42% if also covering, say, a 3% commission. And before you ask, the bank's not going to let you finance the commissions. So it's going to do something. I think this is like ULA. It's like they thought they saw they could see the matrix here and they're going to outsmart everyone, but they don't realize that the market is the market. It's working. This is working. Why are we taking it apart? Something that's working. And... Most real estate agents don't make much money. We'll talk about that in our wrap-up. I mean, listen, that's why it's so imperative that buyers have one agent repping them. So Mm -hmm. they have one quarterback looking out for their best interest rather than who can close something fastest. Is that your quarterback arm? (laughs) It's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, you got to use more body. Good good receiver. Right? More body in that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's imperative that you have one quarterback rather than a slew of agents looking to close you fastest, Mm -hmm. which is they don't give a shit what you buy. They just want you to buy something your best interest is not in mind. By the way, that's kind of the same script I say when people are like, oh, we're working. We're going to work with the agent who brings us the property. I'm like, so you're incentivizing them to close you first because that's their only incentive instead of servicing you. Like, why not pick someone? Give them a shot. We all see the same MLS. And uh, if they find it great, if they don't, then maybe move on. But um, it, it, this is this is the same model. Um, well, this is a more complex market, right? Yeah, in complex markets like ours, the Redfin agents have really struggled. I mean, they have really struggled not only to compete, but also they're not really incentivized to do a good job. They're incentivized to like get you there and go on appointments, and that and that's it. Close you as fast as possible. Yeah, they don't know what they I, historically. I'm not saying anything bad about Redfin, but like historically, the agents when they call us, it's like they don't really know the comparables or anything, particularly in the in north of Sunset. 
Well, I think it's big. You're big on, um, you know, the free shouting out the brokers are free. This is the whole argument here. Yeah, I, I think agents need to stop immediately saying that. Well, we're free, meaning the buyer's agents. They have to stop saying that because what they're doing is, first of all, they're not free. Someone's paying them. Sure, the buyers aren't. Um, but I think there's another way to demonstrate your value to a prospective consumer who's thinking about using you. Um, then you don't cost them any money. There's yeah. more to it. There's more to it. I mean, I think that would not help the cause for value when pitching to have a buyer pay you out of pocket. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? But you guys said you were free. No one said that. Who? Remax agents? No, no, no. A lot of agents would be like agents. in it. What like to first time buyers? They're like, if someone go, they call them. It's it's a popular objection manager historically, where someone's like, "I got it, I got it, I'm on Zillow," and it's like, "Well, no, 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 I'm I'm free." Why wouldn't you want someone in your corner that has experience and knows what they're doing? If I'm free, it's kind of hard to ignore. But we have to stop saying that. We have to stop saying that. Um. I mean, look, the bottom line is this Christopher Moron guy was so pissed he had to pay the buyer's broker for bringing that buyer that he sued NAR. Wait, before we get into this rant portion, I think we should still continue talking about what agents should do. I think like we just said. All right, what else do you think agents should do? One thing, agents, obviously, they should not say they're free. I think also in preparation for this, they really need to shift their marketing message. They need to go all in on listings. And even for someone like you, Zach, I mean, Zach, I would you agree with me that the longer you're in the business, if you can endure the business and it's a career, not like a job, right? You transition and become like a listing agent. You'd agree with that, right? I mean, that's the goal. Listings are king. Right? Listings are king, right? And they say on average, most people, as long as they're doing something right, they're going to get one buyer out of every listing. But even you, a guy who's been in the business for a really long time, you still work with some buyers, don't you? For sure. Yeah, I know. So I think even... So that's, it's probably... We always will. You sold you sold earlier this year a $10 million listing on Alta Cedro. That's a big compensation. And you repped the buyer. So like, this is, this can affect even you. I mean, the biggest deals I've done this year so far, north of 10 and 20 have been buyers. They've been buyers. Okay. All right. So I also think... And I'm finding and I'm bringing them these properties. Three of them were off market. Yeah. And it's but it's not just the finding. Well, it's by the, the way, full off market that goes through off from mar- beginning to end. Off market's supposed to be illegal too. I mean, that's a whole other episode on clear cooperation. But the other thing I want to say is I think that You mean I shouldn't have said that. A- <laughs> agents, yeah, you're right. <laughs> freeze. <laughs> you do freeze. Hell? Uh I think agents have also um they gotta set more appointments than ever before. And what got you here... Charlie will, appointment over here. ...will get you half as far in the coming year. The calls you made, the appointments you set, the videos you posted, double it. Listings are the currency of this market and appointments are how you get them. By the way, you call me Johnny Appointments. Right I called here. you Charlie Appointments. Char- sorry, you call either, me... Either way. You call me Charlie brought. Appointments. Right here, which our audience can't see, is the number 300 down to number one. 300, 299, 298. And I just turned to one of my team members and I said, look, we're lagging. You know, we've already got, uh, we've had, we've gone on 95 appointments this year and we're, we're right now at 70 million closed and forecasted based on what's currently in escrow. I said, wouldn't it be nice if we had gone on 
150 appointments already this year, or, or, or we went on 300 this year, we'd be at 210 million in our small little group. How'd you come up with the 300? Um, I just set a goal based on the appointments that we had gone on last year. And it's, you know, we had a few more agents, but we, um, we want our goals to be realistic. We wanted to be aspirational. We wanted to be up, but I, but I do think it's really powerful because when I turned to him and I said, wow, isn't this wild? Like, because we have the numbers, 95 appointments this year so far has equaled about 70 million in sales volume, assuming these four escrows were currently in close. So, so you're really uh, setting up for the uh, plaintiffs to win because it's a volume game here for you because that's going to – if they win, it's it comes down to volume at some point. No, no. I didn't, the, um, let me clarify. These aren't listing appointments. Those are also appointments. The first appointment counts with a new buyer. So um, – Is it I, one of those like going to coffee with someone? You write that down? Uh, the first coffee, not like every single mm-hmm. meeting. And then the other thing I'll say is what's interesting is I, cause I already know our numbers. I look at them all the time. We're actually about 50, 50 buyer seller for the year so far. So this, that, that's take similar. that off. So you, you love these. You, this is similar to one you have in your bathroom. And I think it's uh, sexual encounters. I wish. I wish. You wish you were at those numbers. All right. So. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, it'd be an interesting life. I'll tell you that. Uh, so, so I, I wish what, I was that low looking back. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what I would say is um, I think that as we wrap up here and we give kind of like our final take, you brought up this Rex thing early on where like 600 agents were on a call and they said we would not go show listings if they were lower compensation, right? I'm mm-hmm. getting that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that and you tell me what you do, but I think I know the answer. When I search for listings on my multiple listing service, I do have we have the ability to search based upon the commission that's being offered. I never do that because I trust that there's going to be an industry standard or like a little bit below it, sometimes maybe a little bit above it. Well, we also have our clients' best best interest in mind because we're in it for the long haul. So we're not just like, you know, commission cutting here based on what we find. We're finding the best properties for our client. That comes first and foremost. Sure. I don't even look at commission breakdowns like you. So you should because sometimes they get them wrong. I caught one the other day where they had it in as 2%. It's 2.5%. That's Well, how'd you know that? Because I looked at the commission breakdown. Oh, oh, oh. You said you don't like a commission breakdown. So commission breakdown is a form that we use internally? No, I know. But if you have the buyer, mm-hmm. how are you finding that their commission, that the commission for your representation of the buyer was two and a half instead of two? Oh, 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 oh. So we're saying the same thing. The CSO is, is the two and a half percent. You and I are saying the same thing. What I'm saying is, is that I never look at it. However, if this goes through, and then all of a sudden, there's a large group that's advertising zero or one percent. That's going to force us as agents at scale to not show those, to not prioritize those properties because you know most most real estate agents in our country probably make like sixty k or less a year. That's not a living wage, really. I think in a lot of metropolitan cities today. No, so they're going to fight for it because they w- they'd rather be on salary, those guys. They'll probably make just as much being salaried. Well, there's going to be would. only be so many salaried agents that the corporations can use and as the market goes up and down, they're going to lay people off. It's not the spirit of real estate anyway. You come to the table a buyer and a seller with a price in mind on both sides and you you, you you this guy wants to sell this guy wants to buy and you come to a meeting of the minds and you've negotiated mm-hmm. just like the commission it's all negotiable it's all what you put in it is what you're going to get back i just feel like 
the two 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 other things I want to quickly add. One, the reason why the listing brokerage negotiates the compensation with the seller is because generally speaking, the buyer's agents or the people who are mostly doing buyers, they're not as experienced or they don't have as much mileage in the game. So they allow us on the listing side to go fight for the gross compensation, which we share. And 99.99% of the time, we split it down the middle. That's number one. And that's one of the things that the plaintiffs are fighting is they want that exposed. They feel like you shouldn't be in control as the listing side of the buyer broker's commission. And then the other thing is you and I were talking about this before we came on and you were like, the Merle guy... He's upset because he's like, why should I have to pay the buyer's commission? He's negotiating against me. Why am I paying him? I think what Merle's forgetting is that if it the deal doesn't go through, the buyer's agent gets zero. It's not like they get a little. We don't still owe him money. We're incentivizing a buyer's agent to move it forward. And not to be duplicitous and manipulate their clients, just to give them a push when they need it. They need that objectivity because buyers and sellers are historically subjective and emotional. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Well, it's all a negotiation. I think like you need that leverage as an agent to be able to throw in at a time where everyone else is participating to make the deal. There may be times whether it's someone who is fighting for a $300,000 house or a, a two billionaires fighting, mm-hmm. you throwing something in when everyone else's shows a team effort and fair play, and that gets deals across the finish line. You need that leverage to play with. I just, I don't think they're thinking this through, just like the ULA thing. And uh, now this wildlife ordinance thing, which by the way, I have a really good understanding of right now. I think we should do an episode of it. I mean, by the way, uh, look. Well, we say by the way a lot. At a time when home prices and interest rates are particularly high, mm-hmm. we should be working to develop policies and proposals that increase access to the American dream, not deny it. Wait. Okay. Wait. Last thing. Last thing. Last wait, thing. Wait, I got a last thing too. Fine. Okay. If you do, fine. But you know what I just realized? How many times do you get an email, particularly in a market like ours, where transactional volume's down because there's less buyers in the game? And they're like, we're paying three and a half percent, four percent. Sellers are offering more to incentivize buyers agents. Why are we now trying to remove this industry standard that is working? I don't find myself going on Instagram and seeing consumers being like, this is BS. We are to pay the people that literally we're sitting here at the agency in Beverly Hills right now, right? Ground zero. One of the real estate centers of the universe. We get no salary. We get no benefits. We get no leads. And our checks are a little chunkier because it. Why? Because sometimes it's months between checks. So I'm exaggerating a little on the time frame, but but you're right. We're taking the risk. High risk, higher reward. If you bring that buyer and help convince them that that house is right for them, and you've brought the buyer and you've negotiated the deal and you've run the transaction, fucking a, you're welcome. Yeah, the buyer should be. When I sell a house, when I sell a property, I don't rep myself because I'll get too fucking crazy. I'll bring <laughs> someone else in. And if, if another agent brings me, if you bring me a buyer for my house that pays me what I want, I'm fucking happy you'd to pay rep, you, bro. You'd rep yourself. I mean, I'd take the commission back from you, but I'd be happy. <laughs> I no, give it back. But if someone brings me, if Clovis brings me a buyer and mm-hmm. I'm happy with the price, 
fuck yeah, I'm paying you. Why wouldn't I? That's cool. what you're worth. Yeah. And you brought it to me. This Christopher, this Christopher Morel guy, he's got another thing coming. He thinks Seriously. we're going to take this laying down. Going up By the against way, the real this cities. is going to work against home buyers mm-hmm. who are looking because they'll have to pay much more for that house. Yeah. Right? In turn, it hurts sellers because less buyers will be able to afford oh that my house. Oh, God. You know what and I just... they'll look to negotiate the price even further or instead, we'll start looking at lower priced homes. I wonder, Everyone's affected. Do you see this? I'm just starting to think like, do the MLSs become of less value if the real estate agents don't want to use them because of this? Anyway, we're going to watch this these cases closely and we'll do another one of these when there's an update. The oh, reason yeah. what stimulated this recently was because um, there was big news when the um, the class was certified. NAR was trying to get the uh get the case kind of dismissed but the class was certified which a lot of people thought was a big loss for nar particularly in the headlines of all the real estate media sources but the truth is is it's it's normal to have this happen this way this early so a home purchase is often the most significant and consequential financial decision a person makes in their lifetime. The role of the buyer's broker is to help consumers mm. navigate all aspects of the transaction, mm-hmm. from pricing and financing to offers, negotiating, negotiating, closing. The buyer's broker is supposed to be a trusted advisor through it all, not a minimum wage uh, salaried employee. Oh, wow. You know what? That makes sense, by the way. It's like, you know what? Some people, it'll become a battle to the bottom. Who will do it for the cheapest, like a flat fee of 500 bucks? And those discount discount pricing always leads to discount service. Oh, I need to get LASIK surgery. Let me find the cheapest guy I can, mm-hmm. someone willing to compete with Just those Just so prices. I have someone Who's, to sue if it goes wrong. I mean, it's your eyes. It's your home. It's the biggest purchase of your life. Like, mm-hmm. Look, research shows that buyers very much want and need that advice. Mm-hmm even as a great majority of them use the internet to find properties Mm -hmm. and drive the housing search, more than 75% of respondents show they still want to use an agent not only to help them find the right home, because it's not easy to find the right home. There's so many decisions that have to be made and navigating through the escrow process. You're not doing it alone. If this passes, Uh. it'll be like having a boating license to go water skiing on a lake. It seems simple, okay. contained, easy enough, easy. a guy like you, but real life isn't in the protected confines of a lake. Real life is an ocean. It's mother nature at her finest with unexpected situations you have to be prepared to handle or you will capsize. Get out into the open seas, my friend, and you bet your sweet ass you'll wish you had an experienced captain at the helm. That's all I have to say about that end of story period. <laughs> oh my God. Zach is the captain now. <laughs> Who is the captain now? <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to bring it back to real estate. You did in a way, then it morphed into Stephen A. Smith. I like it. It didn't finish in Trump, um, so we are making progress here. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this. Would love to hear what you guys think about it. Um, obviously, it's upsetting us. We are a little biased, but it, it we are, I think, open-minded and reasonable people, and uh, it just doesn't seem to make sense when the market's working so well on national and local scale. Um, guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of To Live and Buy in Los Angeles. I'm at Ben Bellack, sitting next to my close friend at Zach Goldsmith24. No, super bien. <laughs> Pero super bien. <laughs>